Today on Blue 58, the Packers' edge rushers were actually pretty great in 2021, but this is a position group due for some big turnover this offseason. We'll tackle that, but first, the Packers are making moves on their coaching staff, and we need to get caught up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be back with you for another episode. I apologize for not getting an episode out on Wednesday. Like I've mentioned recently, we've got a growing kiddo who is making things a little bit difficult on her mom and dad right now. And such was the case the last time we were supposed to record. So we've got some stuff we need to catch up on. Last time around, I had planned to talk about some of the coaching moves the Packers had made, and lo and behold, today, they made another one. So we are going to talk about John Dunn, Brian Storer, and finally, Tom Clements. First, Mr. Dunn, promoted to tight ends coach in his second year on the Packers coaching staff. He had been a senior analyst. Basically, I read that as a quality control coach, but for older guys. The Packers have had a couple older coaches fill that role the past couple seasons under Matt LaFleur. Such was the case with John Dunn. He has previous tight end coaching experience, did so for the Jets in 2019 and 2020. He was an offensive assistant for the Chicago Bears in 2017. In between those two stints in the NFL, he was the offensive coordinator for Connecticut in 2018. Also had a playing career at the college level, played quarterback and tight end for North Carolina. As a tight end, he had three catches for 31 yards and one touchdown. Not a lot to say about Mr. Dunn. Hopefully he can fill the shoes left by Justin Outen quite capably. I don't think we have a whole lot of reason to mistrust Matt LaFleur's judgment at this point, so i got to figure he's a pretty good option to coach the tight ends. Next up is Brian Storer, who has been hired as the assistant special teams coach, and they're going to leave in place Raina Stewart, the other assistant special teams coach, who had been around uh, with Maurice Drayton. Storer is a longtime Rich Bisaccia uh, lieutenant. He worked under him in Las Vegas, San Diego, and Tampa. He also played under Bisaccia in Tampa as well. So, you can fairly read this, I think, as sort of a package deal. You want Bisaccia, you got to hire my buddy as well. And this is the way these things tend to work sometimes. You want to, you want me to come coach for you? That's fine. You're going to have to pay me, but you're also going to have to do a solid for my buddy. And uh, such as is, is life at the NFL level. Uh, you know, sometimes you just got to pay off a favor if you want to get the guy that you want. Uh, I've got no reason to think that's a bad move, though, because if Bisaccia wanted him around for this long, he's got to be saying something that's worthwhile, or else they're just really good friends, maybe. The real interesting hire comes today. Tom Clements is coming back to Green Bay as the Packers quarterback's coach. So this was the real big question mark on the Packers coaching staff. You could see where they would fill offensive coordinator with an internal hire. That's something we predicted long, long ago. You could see where they would fill the offensive line spot with an internal hire. We predicted that sort of thing long, long ago. Quarterback's coach is a little bit different for a couple different reasons. First, it's a very important job in your coaching staff. There's a specific set of skills that you want from that guy. He's got to be a second set of eyes for a quarterback. It's basically having... If you've got three quarterbacks on the roster already, like most teams typically do, it's basically trying to have a fourth guy around. He's going to game plan and prep like he's one of the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks. Emphasize that a little bit weirdly. Anyway, it's an important spot. And the Packers had an opportunity 
to fill it internally and decided not to. It would have been a big jump for Connor Lewis, but they promote him to assistant quarterback coach. Lewis, a uh, highly thought of coach by Aaron Rodgers, apparently. And to fill the head quarterback coaching job, who do they bring in but Tom Clements, also very very highly thought of by Aaron Rodgers. Clements, of course, is or was a longtime coach with the Packers, coming aboard with Mike McCarthy all the way back in 2006. And he was the Packers quarterback coach from 2006 through 2011 before becoming their offensive coordinator, albeit a non-play calling one for the balance of that time. From 2012 through 2014, he did get a chance to call plays in 2015, but Mike McCarthy took those duties back later on as Clements served as the team's assistant head coach and just left the team after 2016. He later resurfaced with the Arizona Cardinals in 2019 and 2020 as their pass game coordinator and quarterbacks coach before retiring this past spring. Until now. Not this past spring, this past month, I should say. In January, he announced his retirement from coaching. Now in February, he is back with the Green Bay Packers. And why might that be? Indeed, why might that be? We kind of got to figure he's not interested in coming out of retirement to coach Jordan Love or to hang out with a coaching staff with which he has no real connection, given that just about everybody else who was there with Mike McCarthy has turned over by this point. In fact, I think Ben Sermons might be the only one left from the McCarthy era. Maybe one other guy there. I don't have it in front of me. But why, indeed, would Tom Clements come back? On the Packers side, you could view this as trying to entice Aaron Rodgers back. Okay, Alex Van Pelt has got a job. Luke Getzey's got a job. Who else can we hire that you like? Well, Tom Clements recently became available. What do you think about that? On the flip side, it could be that the Packers already know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers and just wanted to give a get a quarterback's coach in place, and they know that Clements has been a good one in the past, so you just bring him aboard and see what happens. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. I think he's a fine coach. And we'll just see how it shakes out. If it entices Aaron Rodgers back, so much the better. If not, there's a lot worse guys that Jordan Love can learn from. We actually talked about Tom Clements not too long ago. Well, I guess it's going to be fairly long ago. During last year's um, Blue 58 Book Club, he came up a couple times as a college-level quarterback in blood, sweat, and chalk. And it's worth remembering that as long as he's been an NFL coach, Clements was a very successful player at the college and professional levels, albeit in the CFL. In college, he was a national champion at Notre Dame and finished fourth in the Heisman voting there. In the Canadian Football League, he was an all-star seven different times. He led the CFL in passing yards once and won two Grey Cups as well. Also won the CFL's Most Outstanding Player Award in 1987. No slouch, Mr. Clements bit of a little guy. That's probably why he didn't end up in the NFL, but no slouch as a player. We've often referred to edge rushers as the quarterbacks of the defense in terms of their importance and how much they get paid. And as we jam in a bit of a transition here, that's what we're going to talk about next. Edge rushers, the position group at hand today in our position by position review of the 2021 Green Bay Packers. And honestly, as I looked at edge rushers this year, I really had a hard time coming up with serious complaints about this position group. Really, it's about everything you could want. 
They've got productive players, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. They've got versatile players, Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith. They've got some depth. They've got veteran acquisitions who ended up playing an important role in Whitney Merciless, um, albeit not that, that long, but still, he stepped up. And even on the lower end, there are some intriguing future prospects, which, given the press that the top end of the, the depth chart got, might be a little bit hard to believe, but I think it's true. I don't know how much more you could have asked for from this group in 2021, short of Zedarius Smith being healthy for the entire season. And that's really where we ought to start. It's where we're obligated to start if we're going to go with the traditional way that we talk about these things. Edge rushers, from fewest snaps to most. And of course, that starts us with Zedarius Smith. Because in the 2021 regular season, Mr. Smith played just 18 snaps, all of them in week one, and did not return to the field until the divisional round of the playoffs, where he played 19 snaps. In terms of his relevant stats for this year, the snap counts are basically it. Everything else is either too small a sample size for anything significant, or just kind of fluky and weird. If you want to talk about that sack in the divisional round, it looked fantastic on TV. It was so exciting. But if you actually watch the film back, the guard basically had his foot stepped on or tripped over his own foot. It wasn't necessarily that he made a great move to get the sack. Still, though, about as exciting a moment as you could have imagined coming back from that long, long-term injury. And that's really the good for Z in 2021. He got back for the playoffs, but the bad is the other side of that coin. His back injury basically ruined everything. And that too is sort of his bottom line for 2021. The back injury ruined everything for him and in some ways for the Packers too. Unfortunately for Z, looking ahead, his outlook for 2022 is not great, at least as far as it pertains to the Packers. He's going to do just fine. He'll probably cash in with a pretty serious free agency contract here in the relatively near future. But in terms of his relationship with the Packers, well, he's got a cap hit of $27.6 million in change set to hit the books here before too long. If the Packers decide to move on, his cap hit for 2022 is going to be just $12.3 million dollars savings of about, well, just over $15 million. I mean, I know I'm the one with the podcast here. I know I'm the one who's saying I'm going to help you be a smarter Packers fan. You don't need me to figure that one out. I'm going to count $27 million against the cap. You're going to save $15 million by cutting him. The Packers are up against it in a bad way. The writing is on the wall there. Next up is Chauncey Rivers. He played 54 snaps for the Packers in 2021. Four games played, two tackles. You like his physical attributes. Six foot two, 259 pounds. Good size-ish. That's about it. We're looking at a prospect here. The bad news for Mr. Rivers is that a torn ACL ruined really whatever chance he might have had in 2021 and maybe beyond. Happened in practice early October. Just a thing that happens from time to time and a real bummer. Bottom line, he's rendered basically just a cameo player for the Packers in 2021. Looking ahead to 22, he might be worth a a flyer. If the Packers choose to move on, though, I don't think there's much there that the Packers are really missing out on. Don't forget he had a short stint with Baltimore, too. This is now two teams that have taken a look and didn't get much. I know it was shortened due to injury, but there just was not a whole lot there for the Packers, and I think it's probably time to move on. 
Same is probably going to end up being true for Ladarius Hamilton. He played 64 games across six or 64 snaps, excuse me, across six games in 2021, collecting three tackles total. He did have three pressures on 36 pass rushes. Not a whole lot more than Chauncey Rivers did. And he might get squeezed out on the depth chart too, which is saying something considering where the Packers' depth chart is probably going to be heading into 2022 on the edge rusher group. But honestly, you see why it's going to probably be the case. He doesn't have any real ways to contribute. He hasn't shown much as a pass rusher. And in two months on the active roster, he only played six snaps on special teams. I mean, if you're going to be on the active roster for six games and only figure out how to play six snaps on special teams, there's not a whole lot there for you as a bottom-of-the-roster guy. The Packers gave him a look. There wasn't much there. And I think we're good with Hamilton as a prospect. Next up, though, we get a little bit interesting here. Whitney Merciless. He played 107 snaps across four games for the Packers, recording one uh, one sack, not one snack, tell what's on my mind, one sack as he did so. The sack doesn't tell the whole story because he had a pressure rate of 12.5% across those four games, got pressures on more than 10% of his pass rushes. Not bad. In fact, that's his highest figure since 2016. The bad news, unfortunately, much like Zedarius Smith, is that he tore his bicep and it basically ruined his season. And even worse, it happened just as he seemed to really be settling in with the Packers. His first Packers sack happened in the same game where he tore his bicep. The bottom line is that two-part story. Yes, the pressure rate was good, then it all falls apart. But in 2022, it gets interesting, I think, because... We are into unknown territory with Whitney Merciless. I think it's all going to come down to cap stuff. Just because of who he is, he's going to be more expensive than just about any other rotational pass rusher the Packers have on the roster right now. If he takes Adarius Smith out of the equation, the Packers are looking for a third and probably a fourth edge rusher right now. Outside of Whitney Merciless, it's all going to be low and undrafted free agent, restricted free agent, very low draft pick types in Jonathan Garvin. Merciless, though, is going to be looking at the veteran minimum at least, probably more than that. I would be in favor of bringing him back, but there are a whole bunch of other moves the Packers have to make ahead of that before they can really have that conversation. Got to wait and see on Whitney Merciless. If they get a bunch of this other stuff sorted out, he's still available and wants to come back. Okay, then maybe we're talking about a Mercedes Lewis-type conversation. If not, you might just be moving on. And chances are there's still somebody who's probably interested in giving him a few million dollars in guaranteed money. It's just the way things work. Tipa Naliai is next up. He played 154 snaps for the Packers across seven games. He had one sack in that spam span. The good for Naliai is that he plays really fast. The bad, unfortunately, is that he can play really fast because he is really, really light. If he doesn't beat you with speed immediately, you are cooked. He is cooked. He just cannot get off of blocks just because he's 235 pounds. The bottom line for Naliai is that he played a bigger role in 2021 than he probably should have. And in that role... Admittedly, he did basically fine. But looking ahead to 2022, 
as big a fan as I've been of this guy over the past couple of years, as much good stuff as we've said about him, as much as we've talked about him as a developmental prospect, I kind of think I'm good. It's been two years, and we haven't really seen any growth from him, metaphorical or literal. He's a skinny speed rusher dude. That's what he was when he arrived in Green Bay. The story on him coming out is that he needed to add weight to be a more effective NFL player, and he basically just has not really done that at all. Some guys just can't. Some guys just can't add weight and be the same kind of player, and maybe that's where he is. Maybe he doesn't think he can even do what he does now if he adds any weight at all. But that's where the Packers need him to be if he's going to be a serious contributor in the future. He's got to add some weight. Jonathan Garvin, stepping into real contributor territory, ended up playing the third most snaps of the Packers' edge rushers this year. And raise your hand if you said you would have seen that coming heading into 2021. I think not. 395 snaps for Jonathan Garvin, almost 37% of the defensive snaps this season. He's kind of a fun one for me because he's actually sneaky good. He was active for all 16 games, had one start, and just one and a half sacks. Sure, not great. But I think you could argue he was actually a fairly legit rotational pass rusher. Ideally, probably your fourth guy, but still a pressure rate of 10.5%. One in 10 is not too bad from your fourth guy. He also contributed 111 snaps on special teams. The flip side of some of those pressure numbers is the age-old debate of finish versus pressure. Guys like Mike Smith and the Packers coaching staff talk about pressure until they're blue in the face. You want to get those total pressures. You want to just be hounding the quarterback. And we said that a little bit too. If you can get after the quarterback enough, the counting stats eventually are going to start to come. And that's what we saw with Rashawn Gary this year. For Garvin, you may need a little bit more. To be clear, I don't have any complaints. Seventh round pick, giving you a 10.5% pressure rate, a sack and a half, 300-some snaps in 2021, another 100 or so on special teams. You can live with that, I think. But he is who he is. He is exactly who he is. And nothing more. Looking ahead to 2022, he's going to be around. And I think we got to ask ourselves at that point, what else do you want him to do? Have we seen peak Jonathan Garvin? Probably. And I think that's okay. If he's never better than a fourth edge rusher guy, hey, good for him. A lot of guys don't make it that far, and he can still make a pretty decent living being the fourth best edge rusher on a given team. But now we get to the big guns for the Packers. Rashawn Gary, the second most edge snaps in 2021, 681 snaps in 16 games. He had nine and a half sacks, a career high. He had eight tackles for loss, a career high. 28 quarterback hits, you guessed it, another career high. I would argue that Rashawn Gary took the leap in 2021. He had what I have referred to in the past as his Matrix moment. The first Matrix movie, probably the best one of the four. The moment where Neo decides he is not going to run from Agent Smith. Instead, he is going to stand and fight. And why does he do that, Morpheus? Well, he's beginning to believe. That was Rashawn Gary this year. You can see him beginning to trust his own skills and abilities. You can see him intentionally doing what he does well. 
the few pass rush moves that he does have, he relied on those almost exclusively in 2021. Didn't try to get fancy, kept it simple, let his athleticism and strength do the work. If you want to talk about bad stuff with Rashawn Gary, I think you can fairly say that most of Gary's pass rushes are unsophisticated. He relies on speed and power instead of technique. And that's fine if it works for you, but it is a fraught proposition too, because what if you come up against an opposing offensive lineman who is as big and strong as you are? You might have to win with a little bit of technique. He also fairly frequently takes an inside line on run defense and can lose contain from time to time. But I'll take that. I will take that trade off. Taken 12th overall, Rashawn Gary's job was to hunt down quarterbacks, and he did that pretty well in 2021. I don't have any real complaints. His future is bright, and I'm curious to see how he is going to be affected by things changing around him. I really am fascinated by Rashawn Gary as a player. I've written an entire piece about him. It uh, builds off one of my favorite pieces that I've ever, ever written for the Power Sweep. After he was drafted in 2019, I took a hard look at his production at Michigan and wondered aloud if there was reason for concern drafting him where the Packers did. And I think now, a couple years later, he is a big success story for traits over production in the NFL. If you've got great physical attributes, you can quite often get away with a lack of technique or make up for a lack of productivity in the college level. Because if someone can hone those abilities you do have, you can become something maybe more than you were at the previous level. And that seems to be the case for Rashawn Gary. There's a whole wealth of stats in the piece at thepowersweep.com. It's titled Revisiting Rashawn Gary's Productivity. I'd encourage you to check it out when you've got a little bit of time. Because it's interesting to look at other guys taken around where he was in the NFL and how in the NFL draft in 2019 and see how they have sorted things out for themselves in their NFL careers. And compared to two guys that I would have probably taken at 12th overall, Montez Sweat and Brian Burns, Gary has stacked up very well. Finally, the leader of the pack on the edge for the Packers, Preston Smith, 689 snaps. He had nine sacks, played in 16 games, and another great success story for 2021. If I'd have sat down a year ago, coming from the future to sit down with 2021 John, and said that not only would Preston Smith be back for 2021, but he'd be as good, at least close to it, as he was in 2019, I might have called myself a liar. Would have thought it was kind of weird that was I was going back in time to just tell myself a relatively inconsequential, inconsequential untruth. But man, it'd be pretty close. I didn't think there was a lot of reason to be super optimistic about how he was going to play in 2021, given how he played in 2020. But it was pretty good for Preston Smith this year. He matched his career high pressure rate of about 13.6% from 2019 this season. And he was basically the leader you wanted him to be. Set a good edge in the run game. Was a consistent pass rush force. Was productive when he got into the backfield. 
really no complaints. Earned himself a whole bunch of money back that he gave up. It was a good year for Preston Smith. Unfortunately, this is probably a one-off. Unless the Packers do a whole bunch of other work, and unless he's still willing to play for a little bit less than he probably could, this might be it for Preston Smith in Green Bay. I think he's going to fall into the second wave of decisions for the Packers. So you've got to get the stuff sorted out with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and then do a couple big restructures and cuts and things like that. We're talking uh, David Bakhtiari restructure, Kenny Clark potential restructure, things like that. After you get all that stuff sorted out, the big rocks that you want to put first, then you deal with the Preston Smiths out there. The Packers probably would like to have him back in 2022. Why wouldn't you? But they've got some other work to do before they can really have that conversation. Overall, I'm pretty pleased with the edge rushing group. And I think Preston Smith, in a lot of ways, is sort of emblematic of how I feel about the edge rusher group this season. They had a lot to prove, but they proved it. They showed up. They showed why their faith, the Packers' faith, and a lot of these guys was justified. And boy, when they needed them, they were there consistently, week in and week out. Can't ask for much more than that. So I've got for you on this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I'd appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with somebody you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in the conversation you and I are having about our favorite team, the Green Bay Packers. That, in turn, is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.